Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. All right. Welcome to our first edition of our LinkedIn Live podcast stream of the Higher Power Radio Show. Today, we're talking about hiring hacks to help you hire better humans. So making a strong hire starts with attracting the right people. Knowing who is the right person is the first step. But in order to attract the right people, there needs to be a message that resonates with the individual and motivates them to respond. Today, we're talking about hacking your messaging and how to get people to effectively attract the right people. Today's quote, hacking involves a different way of looking at problems no one's thought of. And that was Walter O'Brien. He's the CEO of Scorpion Computer Services. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes. We do this by identifying a specific problem and providing proven solutions to enable your company to win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Christopher Hagnagy. He is the CEO of Social Engineer Inc. Christopher is a professional social engineer, author of four books, and a keynote speaker. He is the CEO of Social Engineer LLC, a company that serves the globe's largest organizations. Additionally, Chris provides free resources, including the world's first social engineering framework via socialengineer.org and heads the Innocent Lives Foundation, a nonprofit that unmasks anonymous child predators. So Christopher knows hacking, which is what makes him a perfect expert for today's topic. Christopher, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks for having me, Rick. It's good to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. And thank you, by the way, for being the guinea pig on our very first LinkedIn live stream. I love it. We're talking about hacking. It's mine is it fits perfectly that we're doing something for the first time together. I know, right? (laughs) So true. So true. All right. So today we're going to cover a few things. We're going to discuss how to identify the right person, crafting the right message on how to attract that right person, and then the logical steps to weed out the obvious. Sound like a good roadmap today? Sounds great to me. Let's discuss the issue, right? We're talking about hacking and really what this boils down to is that we make bad hires. I don't know any entrepreneur who hasn't made a bad hire, right? So what are the problems that are kind of inherent here that we're going to try and solve today? Well, you know, I think when it comes to bad hires and I, you know, like you said, every entrepreneur has done that. I have definitely done that. (laughs) Hired my friend, you know, hired someone that I thought was going to be great for the position because they interviewed good. They sounded great. They looked good on paper, but then problems like at least in my industry that, that we cover often is just trying to identify the right person for the job that we're looking for. That's probably one of our biggest challenges because it's not just as easy as someone who says, I want to do this job. It's identifying that right person and then uh, crafting the message to attract that right person and then using logical things to weed out folks that really don't fit. Well, I mean, if you think about it, and I'm guilty of this as well, we make hires based on likability more so or skills more so than whether or not somebody is going to be a cultural fit or whether or not they have the desire to really perform in their role. Yeah. And that's and I'm not you know sure how many of your listeners are in the same boat as me, but I run a business where all of my employees work from home offices. So not only do we have the thing you just said, which is trying to find that right person for the right job, but it's also now the person that can work in an environment where there's not someone standing over their shoulder. They have to work from a home-based office where you know their productivity is really up to them. It's crucial for remote work, right? Major. 
Yeah, most definitely. Why are we having issues finding good employees? What are we doing wrong? Well, you know, for me, it's like when I look back at, I mean, right now, I want to just say this up front, just in case anyone that works for me is listening. I have the best team on the planet. Okay. (laughs) I really do. And I'm not just saying that I have the best team on the planet, but I did not start off that way. I went through some serious, like just loss of hundreds of man hours and thousands of dollars and making these mistakes to be able to get to the point where now I can sit here and literally have this discussion with you feeling good about the way that we've accomplished our hiring process. But having this discussion is vital because I got to imagine that many entrepreneurs are going through or have gone through similar struggles and trying to figure out that equation to get that, you know, that secret sauce to do the right hiring. What happened when you made a bad hire? You know, it's it's interesting when you ask it that way. So there's a few things that have happened. I already brought up, you know, we got this environment where people work from home. I'll give you just a couple stories, you know, people that maybe look great on paper, but they come in and they don't they don't understand how a home-based environment just because you're at home doesn't mean you're really at home. You're still working for a living. You know, I I tell my folks like, oh, you mean you're not watching Oprah and eat macaroni and cheese on the couch? What? No, <laughs> they better not be. I thought that's what it meant. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. we've had that situation where it's like, oh, I'm home, and you know, I, I, you know, now I could babysit, or now I could do housework, or I could do these other things, and I try to impress upon people when you just because you work from home, get up in the morning, take a shower, put on your work clothes go to your office and now you're at work. Just as if you had gotten your car and drove 30 minutes, you're at work. Now there's some conveniences there, but I've had that. I've had people too that just didn't understand not only the nature of just home, you know, how to work with home, but culturally as a team. And I think that may be the most important part for me that I learned as a lesson as an entrepreneur is again, someone can look great on paper, have even the skill, understand how to work from home. But if culturally they're not a fit with my group, it can cause mass havoc inside the organization. That is so true. What was the turning point? Like, what did you change or what did you need to do in order for you to get back on track or get the right people? You know, that's, I love that. So we had this recent incident. That's actually, I say recent, it's a couple of years ago where we, we needed to hire an executive assistant slash office manager. And I sat down and I said, what kind of a person fits this role? And it dawned on me, and now this is going to sound totally stupid, like I've been doing this over a decade and I'm thinking to myself, why did it take me this incident to figure this out? But at work, we use something called disk communication profiling. And okay. uh, what, what that is, and I'm sure you've talked about it with your, with, with your podcast, if people have heard this before, but it, it helps to quickly identify the type of communication patterns that people not only communicate in, but how they like to be communicated with. Now, in my job, we use this to be able to influence people to click on a phishing email or when we're breaking in their building or to do something else like that. But I thought, why are we not using this to hire people? Like, shouldn't we be looking at the what is the right type of communicator for the job? So we literally sat down, me and, and, and my COO, we sat down and we said, okay, what does this individual look like? What, what is the perfect type of office manager? And we said, yeah, we want to see. Now, a C communicator is organized, detailed. They like lists. They like to outline things. They're very much into making sure things are structured. And we did that before we even wrote the job description or before we interviewed anyone. Okay. So for those of you who are not familiar with DISC, so let's talk about D-I-S-C, right? What is D-I-S and C? 
So D stands for direct. And that is, so when you think of that, you generally think of like a drill sergeant, but maybe not so much of the yelling, but someone who's like good at management. They don't mind kicking doors down. They don't mind getting things done. They're so driving task focused like that. Yeah. Driver. That's a good way of describing them. The I stands for influencer. So when I think of that, I think of like a salesperson, you know, someone high energy, they're really excited about life and their job. They, they always have a smile on their face. If you walk in a room, they're the center of the party. Everyone's listening to their stories. The S is a steady. Think of HR people, nurses, those who really love other people there. They want the team to win. They want everyone to feel good about their job and about working and, and, and the role they have. And they're, they really, they would fall on their sword for, for the team. And then the C, which is conscientious, that's the kind of person, like I already said, they're very detailed, very task-focused, but very much into the lists, into the, the minutia, the tiny little detail that makes the job and the decisions easier to make. So that would be your accountant or you know, <laughs> office manager, somebody who's really detailed. Yes, exactly. Right. So we've got an outline of that. But before the, you do that, right, you really need to start thinking about effectively, when, once you identify what kind of person this is, you, you need to what craft your job description in and around that? Yeah. And, and that's an important part, right? So now that we know I want this detailed person, if I start writing my job description as, you know, the most lively place on the planet, it's nonstop partying and fun. We're going to turn away all those C's that I want to, to apply for the job because they're going to read that and go, where's the structure? Where's the organization? Where's the lists? You know, where's my color coded tabs? You know, they're not going to feel the feeling that we want them to have to say this is the job for them. So we actually write the job description in mind with a, using words that attract the type of person that we're trying to attract. This can actually help you do that. Do they choose the words in which people will most effectively be communicated to? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of this, and I think, you know, this is fair to say that we don't use the online free versions, you know, because they, they tend to have not the higher, the quality ones that, that you might find with a, you know, a paid program for disc. So the ones that we use, they actually outline like how to communicate with a, so if you're a D, how to communicate with a C, if you're a D, how to communicate with an I, those kind of things. And they may not give you specific words, but they give you the general motivators for that person. So knowing that a C is motivated by the ability to do research, by having lots of detail, by using bullet points, then my job description looks something like, you know, need a detail-orientated person who loves and is driven by tasks, you know, wants to accomplish a list of things each and every day to help their team be the most successful. You know, we write these job descriptions in a way that when that right person reads it, they go, ooh, that sounds like me. Do you put a call to action in that so that you can actually test that out? Because there's a lot of people that, look, you post an ad up, you're going to get hundreds of responses. Yes. And you get those no-brainer people that just say, well, okay, I'll just apply to this and see what happens. Yeah. Right? They're not going to necessarily be good for your company. Is there something in there that you put that will effectively test them or make them do some homework in order for you to be able to understand whether or not that person is going to be the right fit for your company? So not necessarily at that stage, right? So what we do is we try to we try to weed it out. So the weed outs we do is like, here's your experience. Here's the things that we want you to have accomplished in your other jobs. But like you said, there's always that small percentage of folks who like breeze over that and go, I'm going to just try. Maybe, maybe I'll get lucky. So that part that you just said, it comes in the next stage. So we generally have a person in the company then that will take the, you know, 100, 200, 300 resumes we get. And 
breeze through them and look for the ones that say, hey, this may be interesting or no, no, no. Yep, that's interesting. No, no, no. And we get it down. Let's say in the case of the story I'm telling you, we had 225 resumes. So we got it down to 20, 20 people that we thought, hey, this may be close. And then with those 20 people, a phone call is set up. And during that phone call, that's when we start wording questions like, tell us about a task that you did. How did you accomplish the list of things that were in your task? Are you actually having that person call all 220 resumes, though, to no. determine whether or not they're going to be a fit? No, no, no. That, that's okay. a, yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I think and doing that to someone is, I think it's against the Geneva Convention. I'm not sure. but that, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some law on that. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I, I'm just going to be the devil's advocate here. Not a lot of recruiters pick up the phone that often. So, you know, I'd imagine that they'll probably send them an email, but yeah, we do. Yeah. So but, people but here's, that, my, here's my challenge with this is that sometimes people with the worst resumes are actually the best people. You might be not getting the false negatives through, right? So that, and that that's a really valuable point. So, and again, I think this comes back to the role. So like with our office manager, since we knew we were looking for a detailed, structured person then to me, it made sense that a person who's going to fit that would come with a cover letter. Their resume would be well outlined. Their experience would be well outlined. And that would be a good test. Whereas an example is we hired a salesperson. And the person I ended up hiring was the one who was the most kindly aggressive. That's an interesting way of putting it. But okay. they, they weren't a jerk, but they were kindly aggressive at constantly calling and emailing me. So, hey, when's our next conversation? I want to make sure I don't miss out on this opportunity. And it was that that said, that's the person I want selling for me because they're going to do that for the sale, right? Pleasantly persistent, right? Yes. Oh, I like right. that. That's better. Pleasantly yeah. persistent is better than what I said. I'm not trying to one-up you. <laughs> You're no, listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out what we do at stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional resources and contact information and how to book me for your next meeting or conference. Today, our guest is Christopher Hagnagy. He is the CEO of Social Engineer Inc. We're talking about hacking your hiring process. Let's dig into how we fix this. So let, let's put together a format which our listeners can plug this into their business. Where do we start? So first, I, and, and I know this may seem counterproductive and people who may hear me say this will go, wait, 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 doesn't that seem like backwards? But literally try this. Before you write anything about your job description, before you do any of that, you know who you're hiring for, you know what the role is, sit down and say, out of those four communication profiles, what person do you think really fits that model the best? And now the reason I do that is because like most people, and you said it in the beginning, we hire on emotion. So I meet the person. I love them. The conversation's great. They sound good on paper. They look good on paper. And now we're having this video chat or we're in person chat and we're just resonating. And I'm like, Ooh, I can, I could see them as part of the company, but that communication profile that I wrote down, I need to make sure that they match that. So that's the first stage. Well, you make also sure. need to understand why you're hiring that person too. I think yes. just taking a step back. Yeah. You, you should have a strong why, not just because I have a headcount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's 100% true, right? So for yeah. us, when we go to hire, it's because our present team, there is either a gap in the present team or our present team has enough work that they are hitting a stress point. And now we're like, oh, we need to add to that team so we don't, have people stressed, you know, overly stressed at their job. So, so if I'm looking for a software engineer or somebody to do some coding for my company, 
I am writing the article for an S or a C. That's where I'm going to identify for. That so I would so for software engineer I would I would most likely be looking for a C because they're task focused and they're detail orientated, okay. and they're someone who's going to be able to sit for long periods of time, you know, with one task and not not get sidetracked. If I'm looking for let's say HR or a team manager, maybe I'm going to look for someone strong on the S department because they're really going to be into making sure that that team is succeeding. And that people are taking care of my sales guy, high high, and I want to make sure of that. And if I'm looking for like a task leader, just someone who's going to manage a whole large group of people, I may end up looking for for a strong D. Now we're gonna we're gonna move on to writing the job description because we we've identified kind of what type of person we're looking for, yeah. right? So how do we write a job description with the keywords that are going to attract the right people? So obviously we have to put a clear description. It can't all be just about disk. We have to define what it is that we want that person to have and what it is we want them to have accomplished in their previous jobs and what experience we want them to have. But the what way that we have them accomplished now in their new job, right? Exactly. And then define exactly what you expect from them as they enter this role. And I, I find the clearer the expectations and descriptions, the better it is in the type of people that apply for the job. And you always get that small percentage, like you said before. But now I try to throw in keywords that are geared around that communication profile that will hopefully attract that right kind of person. So in the salesperson's role, it was high energy, lots of you know happy emotion words, you know, lots of high eye type of words. And with the office manager, because I wanted to see, it was very detailed, structured, and organized type of, of words to use in that description. You know, one of the things that I found is kind of interesting is that if you put performance metrics, because no job descriptions have performance metrics, they <laughs> have kind of an obscure idea of what you're going to do. But if you actually put 90 day performance metrics in your job description or in your advertising ads out there, it attracts more people that are accurate, like fits. That's really smart. Yeah. We want to attract the right people, right? And we want to figure out really nobody wants to scan through 270. I mean, there's there's companies get a thousand resumes a day, right? So yeah. it's just unmanageable. How do you attract the wrong people? So for us, then what we have is when we write that job description, we have a list of usually four or five different key indicators that if the person doesn't have this, so let's just say, you know, we want someone with a minimum of three years experience and with a minimum of an associate's degree in this particular field or some type of education in this field. And we want them to have accomplished these two things in their previous jobs to prove that they have the capability. So let's just say we have this list. When we go through the resumes and cover letters, we quickly weed out those that are definite no's, right? So that we that There's don't have more. any of that, right? They just don't have any of that. What are you looking for in the resume? So it could be education, years of experience, and accomplishments. And and when we in, in our job description, we will clearly state, like let's say I'll give you an example that for one that we're hiring now, we're hiring an event planner. And we, we made it very clear in the job description, we want you to have a minimum of two years in planning events that are for people that are five, you know, 500 or over. We want you to have a, a minimum of an associate's degree in event planning or management. And we wanted you to be in this particular area of the U.S. So, and we made that really clear in the, in the job description. So now when all these resumes come in, we quickly can go through, you know, we have like 100 plus resumes and we say, well, this person has zero experience in uh, event planning. 
they their degree is in biology and and I'm telling you like a real thing that happened, you know, yeah. their degrees in biology and they live in upstate New York. This is everything that we said that we didn't want in the job description. So that's quick to go. We'll send them a thank you, but not that, you know, not a right fit for this time email. So I mentioned a call to action earlier. This is one of the things that I found worked really well in screening things out because you're going to get those people that send in resumes no matter what. They're not going to put a cover letter. They're just going to send it in. I started building in two or three questions that I want them to send me an email back, you know, answering. And I'm looking for well thought out answers that describe yeah. it, their fit or how they feel they can contribute to the organization or the impact that they can bring. And I make the promise that if they answer those questions in a very smart, intelligent way, and they take the time to write it, that I'm going to go ahead and get back to them. We're going to have a conversation. That's a great way to do that. We, that avoids we a lot of those false yeah, right. we may not go to that depth, but we always like in our job descriptions, we'll put something like those uh, applicants that send in professional detailed cover letters are shown preference. I forget how we word it, but it's definitely better than that. But, you know, we, we let them know that those who take the time to actually send a cover letter that gives us a little bit of that feedback from what we asked for in our job description, that those people are generally viewed on a better plane. That's a really smart way to do it, too. That's that's great. You know, the problem that I found is that most people don't read cover letters. <laughs> oh, yeah, we read them. I, so for me personally, I read every one, even if the resume is not a fit. I read it because, like you said, sometimes people are just really bad at defining their resumes. And then I read the cover letter. I mean, I, I literally had this one a, a lady who uh, looked like from her resume, all the jobs were the wrong fit. But it was just that in the job role she had, she actually did some of the things that we were looking for. Now, she ended up not being the right fit, but we wouldn't have even interviewed her if it wasn't for the, the cover letter. Because in reading that, it was like, oh, yeah, actually, you did a bunch of the things that we were asking. And the cover letter helped me see that. Yeah. Well, people are notorious for writing bad resumes. I mean, the fact is, yeah. who, who's going to sit around and write a resume? It's like, it's painful. Yeah. It's, it is. It's just you gotta you gotta have a bottle of Advil to sit around and write your own. <laughs> yeah. And usually when people write them, it's when they're now in desperate need because they're either yeah. looking for a new career or they lost their present job. And it's like the worst timing to sit down and write something that's telling the world how awesome you are. You know, it's like not the greatest timing. So usually we do it when we're when we're not we always tell people, write your resumes when you're feeling great about yourself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, great point. We're getting pretty close on time here. What would be two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience so they can plug into their business today? So a, a lot of this that we talk about, it, that people may hear it and go, man, it sounds like so much pre-work. It sounds like so much time. Like, do we really want to do all of that ahead of time? I can honestly tell you that in the times I have not applied this, I have spent hundreds of man hours and thousands of dollars in failure yeah. because fixing the problem after, I mean, we had some cases in the last couple of years where and, uh, employees that were in the company were so negative for the staff, they were hurting my staff, right? And it doesn't mean they were going around doing bad things, but their bad vibes, the the way that they made the company feel actually hurt my staff in their in their cultural and emotional feeling. And then well, what's but, that saying? That saying is like, if you fail to plan, you should plan to fail. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Big time. And I, and I did, I, I, I failed to plan. I did and because of that, right we paid right for it <laughs> as a company. And I paid for it because at the end, when you're cleaning up that kind of a mess, you're generally now talking about lawyers. They cost thousands of dollars. And every time I have to stop 
doing something that makes us money as a company, that's money that the company's not making. And we can literally count thousands of dollars in, in bad hires for, for not taking this path. Yeah, I so would say to me, that's double. the biggest message. Double, maybe even triple of what you're spending. Oh, yeah. And, and doing it up front. I mean, I can tell you right now that 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 uh, office manager, she is the most amazing person on the planet. And she's she's here now for a couple of years. We love her. The company loves her. She loves working for us. Perfect fit. The sales guy, he came in and the first four months closed the biggest sale our company ever had. Right. So at, at success stories, I, I have a, a guy we just made our COO with the company. We hired him almost three years ago best, one of the best hires we ever had. Whenever I've used this process, I can tell you clearly looking back, these are some of the best people that still make the company even better than it was before. So it's just worth the time and effort and money up front. That is so true. And that comes down to, again, planning and putting process in place. Yeah. You know, not winging it. Man, Christopher, we're just about out of time for today's show. Thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what's the best way in which members of our community to reach you? I know you have a conference coming up too, right? So I'd like to give oh, you a minute to plug that. Thank you. I'm so excited about this because yeah. uh, it's, it's this kind of a discussion that got me thinking how we can use the social engineering skills and other avenues. So SE, that's a, a social engineer, sevillage.org. I put together nine of some of the best people on the planet, body language experts, deception experts, influence experts, ex-FBI guys. And they're coming and doing workshops on how we can use these human hacking skills in everyday life from business, sales, everything in between. So you can check that out at sevillage.org. Of course, I'll be there. Come hang out with us. And probably the best way to interact with me is through Twitter, which is my human hackers, my Twitter account. I'm always active on there. And you can find our websites through those mediums. Yeah. And I would encourage you to dig into a site because you guys do some really cool stuff. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Decker, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share, and comment on LinkedIn Live. It was a rough going. Hopefully, the latency <laughs> if you got fixed and we're, we're golden. But we're listening to your feedback, and after all this shows about you, so let us know what we can do better. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. And feel free to drop me a line at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Greg Tarusi, and Greg is the founder and managing director of Elevate Hire. I'm your host, Rick Girard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Girard on OC Talk Radio. 